can you believe this? Two year, two days left. Two days left in 20, 2012. Almost at 2011. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Back in, back in the day, I used to be this slim um, rock and roll disc jockey. I know, hard to believe. And uh, we used to play this song um, in the year 2525. Sager and Evans. Did you ever hear that song? Didn't think so. And, uh, <laughs> um, and in the earlier service, I said in the year 2121, the second verse is in the year 2121. But anyway, I used to listen to that song in, uh, in, in, in 19... And um, they, um, I say, in the year 2525, I'll never, you know, and I would start doing the numbers. I was born in 1950, I'll never see 2000, I'll never live that long. And you're like, wow, then it became 2000, and then... And now 210, and two, now I'm going into 2013. And, and, and really, my title of my, my talk here, Time Flies, who, I mean, if, how many times have we gotten to this time of the year, and we stop and we say, dang, where did the year go? Right? Yeah, I mean, and, then this, and that's usually those years that we have 12 months. We only had 11 months this year, right? I mean, did anybody else lose November? I mean... <laughs> It, it just, it blew, I mean, it blew away, literally and figuratively. And, and, and you know, and granted, it, there were, it was very tragic. For, I mean, I don't, and I'm not making light of that for a lot of folks, just real tragic. I mean, some of us lost, you know, trees and, and, and you know, power and all that. Nothing compared to what some people suffered. You kind of, when I'd been down to the shore and I went up to, uh, to Staten Island and I went over to um, Breezy Point in New York, their Queens, um, you, you begin to get some perspective of what's some of those folks, and some of those folks we've been able to help, and, and we are grateful for those. But I mean, you know, because of, because of Sandy, the year just blew by, and it, it's like that every year. And um, so what I wanted to do was take a few moments today and just get us to stop and just for the moments that we're here together, reflect and think back on 2012. Good year? Not so good year. And, that's, and, and, you know, and, th- and then we have to get into how, how we determine that. Was it a good year for me? Well, let me think about that a minute. I started off the year in New Orleans watching Alabama Crimson Tide win the national championship. That's pretty good stuff. End of the year in Israel with the stinking Palestinians shooting a missile at us. Still a pretty good year for me, all right? I'm sorry, the, the Palestinians shooting a missile at us. And um, um, that's a pretty good year if you want to make that determination by that. What about all the stuff in between? Funny how we determine, and we're all different, what year is a good year and what year is not a good year and why. So I want to take, I want to take you to, I want to just tease you for a moment and read just a little bit of the passage we're going to be in in a few moments and just read the first part of it to you. Tease you with that, and then we're going to come back to it. But then I want to take you to somewhere else, and I'll show you what I'm doing in just a second. This is from Ephesians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul's talking here, writing here. And he says this, Be careful, be very careful then how, how to live, how, do you, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is making the most of every opportunity. We could just stop there, couldn't we? Have you made the most of every opportunity this year? The right words at the right time with your family? 
coworkers, friends, making them, or, or maybe, maybe not. We'll come back to that. I tell you, it, 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 this correlates closely with a passage, a favorite passage of mine also in uh, Psalms, Psalm 90. Most of the Psalms are written by David. Uh, this particular one is written by Moses. And, uh, and I just, I've always loved this Psalm since the time I was a young man. And uh, obviously through the seasons of life and the years and generations of life, um, it takes on a different meaning for you. Um, Psalm 90, verse 10, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Moses is saying here, you know, generally our lives are 70. Keep, it t- keep in mind when he's writing this, of course, but there's still some truth. Our, our, our days are generally 70 to 80 years uh, with strength. And he's saying, and, and even the best of those years have plenty of trouble and sorrow. And that's true. That famous old British proverb, stuff happens, or something like that. And, uh, and, 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 and you know, it, trouble and sorrow happens. Later on in that same psalm, Moses says, teach us to, n-, I love this part, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. He's just talking about the brevity of life. Just the fact that, I mean, it's, it's weird how this works. Boom, it just goes by. Every, every, I've said this to some of you. Um, I remember at our daughter's wedding, which has been 10 years ago now, um, I put together a little slideshow, 15 minutes, 12 minutes, I think, to be exact, slides. Uh, you know, like a lot of you have at your rehearsal dinners where they, for your, for your, from the time they're babies, you know, they're cute, they're babies, and then all of a sudden it shows them grown up and all that. And, and um, I remember watching that, standing there at the rehearsal dinner with my brother and another good friend, and we watched it, and I said to my brother, I said, it seemed like it was about that long, 12 minutes ago. So one side of me says to you, you got little kids, enjoy them. I know it's tough. We had our, our two, two of our grandkids, we had them this week for two days while our daughter and her husband went off somewhere. Two days, a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Two full days and two full nights. Dang, man, that's work. Are you freaking kidding me? That's craziness. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, Charlie, how do these people do it? This is crazy. She says, we did it. I said, well, you know, I kind of blacked that out. Um, it's just that quick. So enjoy them. Enjoy them. Um, you know, but when you, you, the brevity of life, I mean, if you haven't done this, you will. And I, if, I'm, I mean, if I'm putting this curse on you now, I apologize. But one of the little games I play is when I see obituaries or I see, I see you know, in the news somebody dies. And they always give, you know, born such and such, died such and such. And, and it, whenever that, that born date is around 1950, which is a great year. I hear, I don't know, I've never had wine from 1950, but I hear it's a great vintage as well. But it's just a great year because that's the year I was born. And, and I tell my mom every Christmas, every birthday, I, I tell her, it's the best day of your life. And she's gotten used to it by now. She, didn't, she just sort of ignores me. But um, every time I see somebody, I see this thing in 1950, somebody died. I mean, it just grabs my attention. I go, oh my gosh, she's my age. 
when Tim Russert died, the uh, NBC News guy, um, Meet the Press. Oh, man, just tragic death. Just boom. I remember reading that 1950. Same year I was born. Bernie Mac. Love Bernie Mac. He died. I think it was this year or last. Um, and I, I, I whole, I, it's funny. I just wrote these down from memory. John Candy. And that was a tragic death. I realized a little different involvement there. But still, my age. Phoebe Snow, the great singer. Farrah Fawcett. Okay, she died this year. Farrah Fawcett died. Most beautiful woman in the world next to my wife. That's a 40 years of marriage. That's, that's what you learn, guys. You can say anything you want to about another woman being beautiful as long as you say next to my wife. Anything you want to say. So it's just a little, little secret there. It won't cost you anything. And, um, but you better say next to my wife. Dan Fogelberg died. I couldn't believe that. I like Dan Fogelberg music. You guys are going to make fun of me probably. Um, I love, and I met him several times in, uh, in, in, when I was in Vail and interviewed him a few times and just loved his stuff. I couldn't believe it. he died. Born 19, I, think, I think he's younger than me. I think he's born 51 or 52. Um, Bobby Bonds died. That's the father of the idiot. Uh, sorry, that's the father of the other guy. But Bobby Bonds was a great baseball player. Steve Jobs, we know that he died. Chris Ledoux, you know who that is? You guys don't know. Ian doesn't know who Chris Ledoux is. Ian, you are unenlightened. Chris Ledoux is a great cowboy singer. Go, uh, go home and do some iTunes on him. You'll, you need, he's great. He died this year, last year. I couldn't believe he died. I love his stuff. And you, you, you read these, and you're like, oh, God. You know, anyway, uh, that, my, my list goes on. Linda Lovelace, she died. Uh, never mind. Billy Mays died. Uh, Curtis Mayfield, Tug McGraw, Chris Superman. Remember when he, he was, like, close to my age. John Ritter, remember when that happened? Born 1950. Greatest singer of all time, Barry White. Barry White. Tammy Wynette. You know who that is? country singer. Some of you guys don't know who that is. Um, Michael Landon, the great actor. Uh, I mean, it goes on. Warren Zevon, Jerry Garcia, Frank Zappa. All these guys are my, excuse me, got a little cold. Um, all these guys are, you, they just gra- it just grabs your attention. The brevity of life, man. It's quick. So how am I going to make this count? How am I going to do what Moses says and present? You know, teach me God to number my days that I can present to you a heart full of wisdom. You know, how am I going to do that? And, and that's where the Apostle Paul picks it up for us. And this is really sort of a great, sort of a precursor, because I want you, I want you reflecting mostly, because we're going to stop, and we're going to get into a little bit of now what, but that really kicks in next week. We're going to kind of stop and reflect and say, now what? And that's where we come, that's where we start next week. But, but um, let me go back to that passage that I teased you with earlier, Ephesians chapter 5, and let's just jump into that. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. Verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery or wastefulness. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us three things, though, that I want you to look at very quickly and very very important things, I think. 
that really gives us an understanding how we can reflect back on 2012 or any year for that matter and say, boy, this was, this was what kind of year was it? Here's the measuring stick. First thing is this, three directives. He talks about what I call a refilled heart. Now look back in verse 18. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be careful with this verse. So many times people will look at this verse and they just automatically go to the first part of that verse. Boom. Don't get drunk with wine. See, there you go, Rich. There's a verse there for you why people shouldn't get drunk with wine. Listen, there are many verses in the Scriptures that talk about you shouldn't be controlled by an outside substance, okay? There's not an argument here. that We need to understand that. That's true. This is not the verse that I want you to see here. He's drawing, the apostle is drawing a comparison. He's comparing being filled with the Spirit, which I want to explain, to, to, being, to being under the influence of alcohol. And, and, and that's the issue here. Um, first time I saw this, I, I didn't come from a drinker's family. Uh, my father and mother, teetotalers, still are. I have a glass of wine around them, and they think I'm an alcoholic. And uh, so I just don't. But anyway, um, and then I, and I didn't, I really missed it. I went to college uh, the first time, but I missed it all. I was, I was working and, and, and as a disc jockey, and I, did, I didn't really, I mean, I was, I was too busy working and chasing girls and stuff before I could uh, really, uh, I didn't have time for alcohol. So I, I didn't see much of that. So I got in the army. I got, you know, I get drafted. Or I actually got in, I got drafted before I, long story, but I was able to get in, in the reserves before um, the draft number came in and it was coming in. So I'm in, I'm in basic training, big old Quonson hut, 60 guys, you sleep with 60 guys. That's another experience. That, that there's so many stories about that that's crazy. Can you imagine sleeping in a room, a room with no walls with 60 guys from all over the country? Every smell, sound, and everything else you can possibly imagine takes place in that. We won't even go there. But, but, and then there's one little punk of a guy who just, you know, I don't know where he was from, Oklahoma or something. And uh, he just some kind of a little, you know, just a little guy. And uh, pretty much did out of the way. And then we had our first weekend away, and everybody went out and just got hammered. Um, I didn't, um, but uh, most people did. And, and so he comes back to the barracks. And it's like a different guy. I'm going to take on everybody here. Come on, who wants me first? And I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm going to get a seat. This is going to be entertaining. I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to watch this. It didn't last very long. And somebody just took one swing and the guy was, you know, out. But it, it, here, all of a sudden, this, this, this mild-mannered, very shy, small, diminutive guy all of a sudden became a different person. With I don't know how much he drank, but, but, but enough to, to really become under the influence. Now, in the same way, in a di- and, 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 and just, just, just upgrade that in a different way, the Apostle Paul here is saying, in the same way that getting drunk with wine, the word that he uses, or alcohol, changes you and makes you into getting, thinking you can do things that you didn't think you could do and you can't, in the same way, you need to allow the Spirit of God do some influence you to be able to do some things that you wouldn't normally do, like say kind words to somebody you don't like, like love the neighbor that's a jerk, or like wave at somebody nicely that cuts you off in traffic with all five fingers, you know, 
um, and just be kind. He says, he's, he's saying, rather than being drunk with wine and all that that brings, allow the Spirit of God to influence you to a higher way of living. That's what he's talking about here, being filled with the Spirit of God, being under, and, and, and the word filling or controlling, it can be, that's why I think the word, particularly in our culture, under the influence really speaks more to what we're talking about. Be under the influence, be drunk, if you want to use that word, but with the Spirit of God and see what happens. And you, all of a sudden you'll be, oh, wow, I can't believe that I responded the right way there. I can't believe that I didn't fly off the handle like I normally would there. Because the Spirit of God is taking It's not a one-time act. It's a repeated act. Actually, the wording of this should be, could be easily, to be filled and conti- keep on being filled with the Spirit of God. And, and, and so it's a continual thing, not a one-time act. So here's how it works. And I, I, need, I need to say this. You come, you, you come and you cross over that line of faith. You come to the point where you say, Jesus, I do believe you lived suffered and died and rose again, and you did that for, my, for me, for the forgiveness of my sins, and so that I could have eternal life. I believe that. I'm trusting you. The moment you cross that line and say, I'm trusting you, Jesus, the Spirit of God comes into your life permanently. You are indwelled with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, okay? Not filled. I, I, don't, normally, I don't normally get this crazy about words, but I... It, Hear what I'm saying here. Not filled, but indwelled. The Spirit of God's in you. Then, those moments when you are able to say, God, I need you, I need your, I need you to fill me. I need, you to, I need to be under your influence. That's a repeated thing. For me, it's several times a day. And you get into those situations where you realize some buttons are being pushed. You say, God, here, here I am again. It's like that old spiritual, here, it's, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I, in this case, it's me, O oh Lord, that needs to be filled with the Spirit of God who's already here. I need to be refilled with that. With, and it, it, it's, 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 you know, it's over and over and over again, for me, several times in a day, to be filled under the control of something other than my own selfishness, the Spirit of God. So that's, that's what it is. And then our behavior changes. It's funny, isn't it, how we all try to change people's behavior and try to manage behavior and manage sinful behavior? God says, let me have the heart. Because then the behavior will change. A refilled heart. That's how it works. That's the first thing. We're gonna, you know, now stop and think back on 2012. How many situations could have been avoided that were negative if you had stopped as a believer and said, God, I need to be under your influence, not something else or someone. I need to be under the, under the influence of the Holy Spirit in dealing with this situation, talking with this person. Some cases in what I should say, in some cases what I should not say. That's what it comes down to, having that refilled heart. Second thing. A joyful heart. A joyful heart. Verse 19, back to that verse. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. A joyful heart. Music and, and singing comes from having joy. 
And he goes into some different ways that that, that can be expressed there. But, but the, the attitude behind all that is joy. I need to define joy for you because you're, some of you think, oh, I got joy, my team is going to win, or my, 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 my bonus came in, or I, I, I closed the deal, and I've got joy. Let's, not, let's, let's distinguish joy from happiness for our purposes here. Let me give you a definition. It's, uh, it's not my words. It's from a commentary that I like a lot. Joy is a deep and abiding inner rejoicing which was promised to those who abide in Christ. It does not depend on circumstances because it rests in God's sovereign control of all things. It rests in God's sovereign control of all things. Think about that. I almost didn't use this definition. I love this definition. I've used it a lot in talking with people. That last phrase, though, stirs up stuff in people. God's sovereign control of all things. Um, let me explain to you why I used it. Before I do, I want to give you another quote that I think uh, kind of will help, help, help me explain this to you. Havel, the great uh, leader from Europe, uh, Vaclav Havel. Hope is not the conviction that something will turn out well, but the certainty that something makes sense regardless of how it turns out. Hope is not the conviction that something will turn out well, but the certainty that something makes sense regardless of how it turns out. I love that quote because I have that hope. Something's gonna, I may not, it may not make sense in my, in my lifetime. So I go back to that verse, or that definition that I read. It rests in God's, this, this joy rests in God's sovereign control of all things. I can have joy because I believe that. Which leads us to a thought that's going to be very um, disturbing to you if you haven't already gone there. It's a question that I received 11 days before Christmas numerous times in emails, phone calls, even one text, mostly individual conversations. You believe, don't you? In some cases, people say, we believe that God's in control. I said, I do. How can he allow what happened to happen in Connecticut? That awful, awful, awful thing. The answer that they got from me is a lot different than the answer I gave 20 years ago as a pastor, or even 10 years ago. Because then the pastor in me would try to get you to understand depravity, get you to understand men's choices, and I would talk probably five, ten minutes about this and that. The answer you get from me now is this. How can God allow something like that to happen? I don't know. I don't know. But I trust God. And I've learned over the years I can trust him. That doesn't mean that I always understand stuff. Doesn't mean that somehow it makes sense to me now. I, in faith, believe it will make sense to me someday. Probably not while I'm on this earth. If you think we can explain stuff, and that we have to be able to explain stuff to have joy or to trust in God, you don't understand him very well. We're not God. 
You know, and, and, and I got one email from a friend who, who said, these are the kinds of things that make people turn away from God. I said, you're right. I wrote him back, and I said, you're right. But if we're really authentic about this, it should make, me, make us, and I said, what it does, it makes me draw closer to God because it's something else I don't understand. And mankind, from, from, from the beginning of time, has come up with all kinds of creative ways to butcher each other. And if you think I'm going to put my hope in, in, in man's explanations, then you're really crazy. I've got to cling to Christ and to God and go back to the basics that I know that I need to be reminded of again, of who God is and his character and what he can do. And it doesn't mean I'm going to feel better about it. It doesn't mean that I'm going to have the answers about it. But I'm going to cling to the God who is the creator and who loves me beyond anything I can possibly imagine. You see, there's joy in that. There's that subtle, solid joy in that. Not happiness. Not giddiness. Not all great. This is wonderful. My team won. Not that. Something far deeper. Something much more tangible, but in some ways not intangible. Joyful heart. God is able. Maybe we should go back through 2012. You can think of the times, boy, I, 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 I could have, should have, could have clung more to Christ and said, Lord, I need that spirit of, of thankfulness and joyfulness and, and just redirected, you know, refilling my heart. Now, I said the third thing, thankfulness. Because he, he tells us the same thing, the redirected heart, the, 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 the joyful heart. Now, now let's, the third thing, very quickly, the grateful heart. Verse 20, or excuse me, yeah, verse 20. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. The grateful heart, not just the joyful heart, not just the redirected heart, the refilled heart, but the grateful heart. I can't tell you how important this is in the Bible and in life. Uh, very quickly, let me just go through my verses here that, uh, that talk about this. And these are just a few. Ephesians, the one we're at right now. Always give thanks for everything to God. Uh, verse, uh, Philippians chapter 4, don't worry about anything, but instead thank Him for all He's done. Colossians chapter 3, 15, always be thankful. Christ rule in your hearts and always be thankful. Colossians later on in chapter 3, um, do whatever you say, whatever you do, give thanks to Him, the God the Father. Later on in Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer, be with an alert mind and a thankful heart. First Thessalonians chapter 5, no matter what happens, always be thankful. You getting the point here? Now, a great writer that I love so much, French, Henri Nouwen, Frenchman, said this, Gratitude as a discipline involves a conscious choice. It is amazing how many occasions present themselves in which I can choose gratitude instead of a complaint. We could also reword that and say, It is amazing how many times I choose complaint as opposed to gratitude. Not the truth. Excuse me. God says it's important for my people to be grateful, to have thankful hearts. He says that's the important thing. 
Um, Now, let me get you to think about this with me just for a moment. In the culture in which we live, how many people honor whiners? Oh, I love being with him. He's the biggest whiner in the world. Oh, my gosh, I love hanging out with him. It's amazing, and you hear me say this a lot. Isn't it amazing how many times we find a biblical principle, one in which it's just better, you're a better human being. And one of those is gratefulness. One of those is joy. I think the other is also being, being refilled with the Spirit of God. I mean, people who complain and people who, who are discontent and people who are just generally unhappy, and in some cases it becomes almost a habit. I mean, it, it can become like really a destructive habit where, you know, they're so-and-so, all they want to do is complain. We, uh, you know, one of the things that I've learned over the years as a pastor, we're uh, dealing with a situation right now, Charlene and I, both with both of our parents, and right now we're dealing with her parents. In fact, we're going to Alabama today to work on this. Her mother's moving into the retirement home, you know, but it's like assisted living. And, you know, some of you have been through this with aging parents, and it's just, it's just not a lot of fun. And, um, and we have a situation with both, both sides, my mom and dad and her mom. And, and we're, right now we're dealing with her mom. And one of the things that reminded me of is that I, I, for all my life, not much here, actually, but for all, most of my life as a pastor, you know, you end up visiting what we used to call old folks' homes, you know, you go into those places, nursing homes, whatever. And something that hit me when I was like 30, which seems like it was yesterday, isn't that amazing? Um, one of the things that hit me was I went in one one time, and all I noticed is how many, how many bitter, angry old people there are. I mean, there's a ton of them. And I, and I started asking the question, how come, how come old people are so bitter and angry? And uh, that's sort of been one of my lifelong quests. How come old people are so bitter and angry? It becomes a habit at a younger, at a younger time, and, 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 and then it becomes your default mode. Then as you age, it's harder to change. So one of the determinations that I have in life, I don't want to become a bitter old person, a bitter angry old. I don't mind being dumb. I don't mind being crazy. I don't mind being silly. I don't want to be a bitter angry old person because they're just, they're just cranky. They're just not fun to be with. Amazing how that is reflected in the Scripture. And God says, hey, be thankful. Don't be whining and complaining and discontent about life. Henry Ward Beecher Great preacher in the 1800s. Great family. Great family. Sister wrote uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin. His whole family was very involved in that, in the abolition movement before the Civil War and stuff. Great family. And he said this, great preacher from Boston, the unthankful heart discovers no mercies, but let the thankful heart sweep through the day, and as the magnet finds the iron, so it will find in every hour some heavenly blessing. There are people in life, and I've known a few, no matter what situation you put them in, no matter what's going on around them, they're like, wow, isn't this great? We just got three inches of snow and I got to drive on ice. It's going to be so great. They don't say it like that. There's such a sarcasm there. Um, but I mean, they just find blessing. Isn't it beautiful? You know, beautiful day. Whatever it happens to be. And there are other people who have the same thing happen and they can find all the bad stuff going on. God says, you know what you want? You want to be the... You want to be Exhibit A, the guy that just find, the person who just finds blessings and everything. Not, not in a Pollyanna-ish way, not like, oh, everything is great, oh, yeah. but to be honest and say, you know what, there's something good here, I need to find that. 
Three things. Redirected heart, joyful heart, grateful heart. Listen, I want to give you some action steps, what you can do. But let's be honest here a minute. Well, I hope I've been honest the whole time. Um, There are bad years. I've had a few. I'm not going to go there too much. I'll I'll give you one before I came here. I'll be blunt. I've had some since I've been here, but but we're not going to talk about those. (sighs) Year 2000. God, it sucked, man. It was just such a, I'm sorry, it was, it was a bad year for, in so many different ways. Did your team win, Rich? I don't even remember it was so bad, okay? I don't, you know, and, and those kind of things, you know, whether your team wins or whether you make more money than the year before, it, 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 that just doesn't matter. That's why you can't always go by those things. The year 2000 was over about this time. However many years ago it was, I just said, thank you, God, I made it through this year. I didn't think I would. I thought I was going to die. It wasn't health issues. I thought I was going to die. We'll get you through that stuff. Come back to Christ. Ask Him to fill you. Ask Him to give you joy. Ask Him to give you thankfulness and to be aware of the thankfulness. And, and, and you've you got to have some people around you doesn't have to be very many. Some trusted people who can speak truth and be honest. Maybe even make mistakes in what they say to you, but, they, but it's out of love. You, gotta, you go back to just the scriptures, just to reread. I re-read that, that year, toward the end of that year, Charlene and I reread all the Psalms. I hold this up like it's a Bible. It is a Bible, okay? It's, it's an iPad, but that, sorry. I didn't mean to give you the bad visual there. Um, but we read, read through all the Psalms. Just, I've read through the Psalms. I don't know how many times. Plenty. But you go back, and you know, wow. Talk to God. Just get open. Just, you know, that was the year I did my first uh, silent retreat. Boy, that was hard. Imagine a guy like me in a silent retreat. That was hell. I'm not, I'm not sorry. That was, sorry. It was, it was, <laughs> mark that, censor that. Um, but I learned so much. And it was just, it was so great because of what the Lord wanted to teach me. And, and I want to tell you something. Uh, without, you know, I wouldn't be here today. I would not be here today were it not for the sucky night, year of 2000, okay? So I, I, I loved Jens's words that he said. I had two responses. First, Jens is a great, isn't he a great worship leader? Isn't he terrific? The, I call him the hippy-dippy. The hippy-dippy worship leader. Um, but um, my first response when he first said, you know, I uh, hear, you know, you go through these years, you get to the end of the year, and you, and you think about it and, it, it, and it's terrific. My first response was, you're not old enough to have had a bad year, okay? That's my first response. And then I thought about it a little more, and I thought, you know, <laughs> I don't care how old you are. Um, you can have some bad years. And what are you going to do with them? And, and, and that's why I say you've got to just go back to the basics and, and start thinking that re, re, refilling of the Spirit of God, that, that 
heart of joy, the heart of thanksgiving, and asking God to work in your heart to develop that and cultivate that. And then, and then you know, there's some other things you can do. We, um, we have this crazy men's group on Wednesday nights. We're not meeting this week. We start again the next week, the 9th. Crazy bunch of guys. I mean, crazy bunch of guys. When Rich Teeters is the voice of reason, we're in deep trouble, okay? That's, 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 how, that's how bad it is. Um, but they're great guys, and, and we divide up into three parts and three groups, and then we come back together. And they came back the other night, a few nights ago, a few weeks ago. And here we came, we, we, we were talking about thankfulness, and here's what we're going to do. And one of them grabbed my iPhone and put it on. We're gonna, I, I just kind of listened, not paying a whole lot of attention. And they were like, we're going we're gonna to put on our phones and, and our PDAs and be thankful, and it's going to pop up at certain times. So we're going to know. We're not going to not just pop up at like some random hour, random days, different, every day at random hours. And, like, and, and then some of the guys even said, we're going to one-up you on that. You know, it's a bunch of guys, okay? So everybody's got to one-up everybody. So everybody, it's a competition. You know, that's what we're all about. And, uh, and some of the guys said, no, we're going we're to do more than that. Every time that thing's up, we're going to write down something we're thankful for, and every day it has to be something different. Funny thing about it is they, I didn't realize they put it on my phone, and, and, and all of a sudden, throughout the next several weeks, still on there, this thing pops up at random hours, be thankful. And it's popped up a few times when I'm like in the middle of a time when I'm like, oops, you know, I better just shut up right now and be thankful. You're, you're in the middle of a wine or something. Um, it's pretty cool. So, I mean, I don't know if that would work for you, it's, 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 but here's my point. You've got to get intentional about this. You've got to get the right people around you. You've got to get intentional about this to figure out exactly how am I going to move into, and, and we're going to have some stuff for you starting with next week. We start talking about what now. But as we reflect back on 2012, this is an important issue for us. I'll tell you something. If you, if you had some, some of those times where your heart was, was refilled, if you had some of those times where you, you had joy in, in the midst of times that that necessarily mean joy, and you had gratefulness when you really weren't having much that you could think about being grateful for, you had a great year. I don't care what happened. And you get through those years, and, and, and as I was referring to a moment ago, you get to the end of the year sometimes, and you can figure, sometimes it takes years. It took me about five or six, almost seven years before I could fully appreciate the year 2000. It wasn't really that sucky of a year after all. But it took a long time to figure that out. God wants to work in your life, and he wants, to, he, wants, he wants 2012, whatever it was, to get even better. Refilled heart, joyful heart, grateful heart. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your, your love and your grace in our lives that is so evident in so many ways. Thank you for your presence, the blessing that you bring into our lives, and I pray for each person here. As we, as we literally launch into 2013, that we would focus and refocus on this, this concept of having, a, having a, a refilled heart by the Spirit of God and a heart of joy and a heart of gratefulness. And that would be contagious for each of us. We thank you for that. We thank you and pray for a special blessing upon each person and each family represented here. Pray for those who are out and about and on the highways and so forth. We pray, God, that you would give them a special blessing and a special travel protection and bring them back safely and pray for these guys, all of us uh, for tomorrow night to be a safe and happy uh, new year. 
And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.